Hello, and thank you for listening to today's broadcast from Stony Point Baptist Church with Pastor Jim England. Today's message, Matthew Becomes a Disciple, is the sixth message in the series, Jesus' Ministry in the Gospel of Luke. And now, here's Brother Jim. All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles this morning. We're looking together in the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 5. So, Matthew, Mark, Luke, there in the New Testament, the third gospel, chapter 5. We're picking up at verse 27. Look, just looking the last few weeks at Jesus' ministry here from the gospel of Luke. So Luke chapter 5, we'll pick up verse 27. It says, After these things he went out, he saw a tax collector named Levi. He was sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, he rose up, and he followed him. So then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And there, scribes and the Pharisees complained against the disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's have prayer together, all right? Dear Lord, will you bless us today? Allow your Holy Spirit, Lord, to be able to speak to us, to draw us closer to you. There may be something in our life that needs to change. There may be a, a, a deeper commitment that we need to make. But whatever it may be, may your Holy Spirit just have a freedom to be able to touch and to speak to us and to draw us close to you. I thank you for each person that's here. Lord, their faith, their willingness to come today. And I just pray that you, your Holy Spirit can be felt and you would honor each person for their coming. And I pray your blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. I heard about this fella. His name was Ellis, and he was all dressed up had his Bible, and somebody said, Ellis, what are you doing? He said, I'm going on a trip. He said, well, where are you going? He said, I'm going to New Orleans. They said, New Orleans? He said, yeah. He said, I, have they, I hear they have a lot of liquor there, gambling, and a lot of naughty shows. He said, what? Well, why are you carrying your Bible? He said, because if it's that good, I'm going to stay through Sunday. <laughs> That's not too good, is it? That's not how a Christian should be. But you know what? Some people got the wrong ideal of Christianity and they got the wrong ideal of things they sign up for. Actually, when we look here at this passage of Scripture, here's Levi, tax collector. I just wonder if Levi, when he signed up for this job, if he really knew what he was getting into. A tax collectors in those days made money. Now, would you like to make money? There's a lot of people, that's what they think life's about, making money, and they're all for it. Sign me up to make money. Could be, you know, Levi looked around and said, we need some help. My family's not doing well. Maybe somebody was sick. Here's a chance to make money. See, tax collectors in those days... It was somebody that would bid and they would, they would answer then to the Roman government and they could charge people as much as they wanted as long as they gave the Roman government their share. 
Any of the extra, you got to keep. Zacchaeus, he was a person that made it was really wealthy. And what you did, once you got those bids, you would hire people then to be at the booths. And so that appears what Levi was. Now, in those days, they were different types of taxes. A poll tax, that's basically if anybody was alive. They was ground tax. So your grain and crops, it was 10%, what you took in. There was an income tax, 1%. And then there were people that worked these booths. And they would set them up at marketplaces, close to ar harbors, roads, and they would tax people for the number of wheels on a cart, or if you were fishing, the number of fish, or just things like that. So some of the other disciples, they probably would have known Levi. So Levi, he was making pretty good money. Here's the problem. Tax collectors were excommunicated. The priests wouldn't let you come to the temple. You couldn't go to the synagogues. They said, we don't want you. You, could, you can't go. You're excommunicated. You can't go and worship God. We don't want you around. Whenever you heard the words robbers, murderers, idolaters, adulterers, prostitutes, all those sound pretty bad, don't they? Tax collectors went right with them. So whenever they would talk about tax collectors, they were talking about murderers. They were talking about traitors. All in the same sentence. Basically, sinners. Big sinners. So the teacher would say, you know, they're unclean. They're kind of like a leper, but they don't have the sores. They're unclean, and nobody wanted to be around them. In fact, many people would say, these tax collectors, they had betrayed. They had betrayed their family. They had betrayed their government. They had betrayed their people. And they had betrayed God. And so many people say, you can't be forgiven. And we don't want to be around you. Excommunicate. I'll tell you how bad it was. If you had a beggar that's sick, can't work, and so the only way they can survive is if people give them money. If a tax collector came up and said, okay, I'll give you some money, I don't want your money. That's how bad it was. You're unclean, and we don't want anything to do with you. So here's Levi needing some money. Maybe he's wanting to help his family, but now he's not with his family. He's got money, but nobody wants to be around him. It's a lonely life. You know, isn't it interesting that God knows our very hearts and what's going on in our lives? Sometimes people may think we got it together and we don't. And God knows. Here's a verse for you. Psalm 139, verse 2. Psalm 139, verse 2. You know this word, this chapter, Psalm 139 tells us a lot about God's attributes and what He knows. It's verse 2, it says this. You know when I lie down. You know when I get up. And then He adds this. You know my very thoughts from afar. One of the things you see about Jesus in ministry, he could tell what people was thinking, what was going on in their life. So here, Levi, God, already knows what he's thinking. And it could be that Levi had been talking to the other tax collectors and was saying, you know, I wish I'd never done this. 
If I had it to do again, this is not the route I would have chosen. If God gives me a way out, I want to do something else. And they may have said there is no way out because now you're unclean. Nobody wants you. You're stuck where you're at. And somehow, though, maybe deep down in his heart, he was just thinking, I wish that I could honor God. I wish I could get back to doing something besides this. So it is. Jesus is coming by one day, and Jesus just stops, and he just looks at Levi, and he just says, follow me. Now, Jesus is considered a rabbi. In those days, if a rabbi said to follow me, that means he, you could come and be his disciple. You could learn and grow under him. It means you're changing everything. Jesus comes by, Levi, follow me, and that's all he says. Nothing else. Now, you would think he would say something else, but that's all it's required. Just follow me. See, he doesn't have to say anything else because he knows what's going on in his heart. And Levi hops right up because here's his chance. His prayer's been answered. Don't think that prayer doesn't make a difference. I'm a nobody. Why would God hear my prayer? And you just pray, Lord, I wish you'd open this door. I wish you would do this. And here it is. The door is opening. And Levi jumps up. He gets up immediately. He's going to leave it behind. Levi is called by Christ. Jesus is still speaking today, and he may be speaking to you today. He's wanting some changes in your life. He's calling you to be different. He's calling you maybe to, into a relationship. You've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're living, but you're not living for Him. He's calling you to, be, to follow Him fully, completely, to allow Him to be Lord. He's calling. It was a challenge. And Levi gets up, and he gets up. Basically, he's changing. Repentance is taking place. He's turning from the way he was living. He's going to live a completely different life. We've got people that there's things going on in your life that's not good. It's time to repent of sin. That means to get up and turn from it. To turn away. Lord, I'm leaving this behind. I, I don't want this anymore. This is poisoning me. This is ruining me. This is dominating my life. There's some people that's hit it well. It's hard to keep, to keep it hit any longer. It's impacting you. It's time to change. and It's time to repent, to turn from that. And he put his faith in Christ. He was trusting in Jesus Christ. And when you become a Christian, that's how you do it. It's turning from sin and repentance and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It's that simple. And that's what takes place here. Levi changes. And by the way, he is different. It is a change that's taking place. It happens on the inside. When you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells you. You become a new creation in Christ. And then you start living a little different, thinking a little different. And Levi was different. By the way, Jesus, when he talked with Peter, Peter was known as Simon. Jesus said, you know what? You're no longer going to be Simon. You're going to be Peter. Meaning a rock, a foundation that can be built upon. Here, Levi, he no longer is called Levi. He started being called 
Matthew, the very person that wrote the Gospel of Matthew, the word Matthew, what's it mean? It means gift of God. Gift of God. It reminds me about a teacher I'd heard of. Her name was Miss Leonard. People loved having her as a teacher in her class. She's just so encouraging. So this one lady was writing about her memories of Miss Leonard. She said it was second grade. She said, I grew up with a cleft palate. It made it very hard for me to be able to speak plainly. My, she said, I had a misshapen lip, a crooked nose, and lopsided teeth, and gargled speech. She said, so one day, Miss Leonard was, have, was having a hearing test. So you would come up, and she would say something. For example, like the sky was blue, or she'd say, oh, you're wearing new shoes today. And you would have to, she'd whisper it to you, and you would repeat it back to her, one student at a time. So this, this one woman, and then it was her turn. And she came up, and she said, Miss Leonard whispered in my ear, and she said, I wish you were my daughter. She said, it changed my life. For her to say, I wish you were my daughter. She said, I had no self-esteem. I was embarrassed. When people would ask me, how did you get that cleft in your lip? I wouldn't tell them, I was born that way. I would just say, oh, I fell. It's just so embarrassing. But for somebody to say, I wish you were mine. See, that's how Levi was out on the outcast. Wrong choice. Nobody wanted to be around him. And then Jesus said, oh, follow me. It's almost like, I love you, I believe in you. You're a gift. And that's what Matthew means. His very name, Jesus started calling Matthew a gift of God. And Matthew became a blessing to other people. And he started right away. He started right away. Because the Bible tells us then that Matthew throws a party. Throws it in Jesus' honor. He's throwing a party for Christ. You know, when you become a Christian, you do become different. And you, got, you have something to celebrate. When we have baptism, we should celebrate. You know, when somebody comes, we should celebrate somebody being at church. Somebody rededicates their life. Somebody gives their heart to Christ. Do you know there's celebration in heaven? The angels are celebrating. And we, as God's people, we should celebrate. Matthew, he's celebrating. His life's changed. He's celebrating because he knows he's different. And he's excited about it. I've got hope. Now I can serve God. I can live with a purpose. I can have meaning. And so he's celebrating the change that's taken place in his life. It's worth celebrating. He's also celebrating because he wants his friends to be able to hear. You know what? Andrew found Jesus. You know what the first thing he did? He went and got his brother Peter. He said, you'll want to meet him too. <laughs> and he, that way Peter became a Christian. See, when you come to know Christ, you can't keep it to yourself. You'll want somebody else to be able to hear the good news. People that don't know Christ, you'll want them. If you love them, if you care anything about them, you want them to know about Christ. Matthew throws a party. Now, to think about it, you're a tax collector. Who's going to come to your party? Not the religious people. 
No, not the Pharisees, although they do show up because they're keeping an eye on Jesus and spying on Him. Wherever He went, they were watching. So they're watching from the outside. But who's coming in? He invites the tax collectors. And the Pharisees, when they complain, they say, He's eating with tax collectors and sinners. See, the only people that's going to come are other outcasts. And that's who come. And so He has this party of outcasts. And Jesus is right there. You know what the Pharisees think? Something's wrong with Jesus because that's a sin. To eat with those people. It's wrong. That means that you're endorsing them. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't eat with sinners so He could sin. He ate with sinners so that He could be able to save them. To help them. To love them. Jesus is there because Matthew's throwing a party because he wants his friends to hear the good news. And more importantly, Jesus is just worth worship and honor, and he just wants to have a party to honor and worship Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be something to have a party today? You could have a party at your house and say, you know, I'm just going to have a party, and I'm just going to have it because Jesus deserves a party. Even today. People need to hear about Christ and how great He is. I just want to honor Him. I'm just going to do something to honor Christ. That's all I want to do. Honor Christ. Of course, anytime you do something for the Lord, somebody's going to complain. And sometimes it's a surprise. Sometimes it's religious people and the scribes and Pharisees complain. And they ask the disciples, Why, why do you eat with sinners? Jesus gives a response. Look what Jesus says again. Here in, it was in verse 31 or 32. He said, Those who are well have no need of physician. It's only those who are sick. Why do I eat with sinners? Because sinners need a physician, a spiritual physician. But you know what? You can't help somebody until they're willing to admit they need help. And basically, some people think Jesus spoke sarcastically. They think basically that Jesus was looking at those Pharisees and saying, I can't help you. I'd like to help you too. But you somehow think that you're above help. But I can help these individuals because they know where they're at. And these individuals need some hope because they don't have any hope. And Jesus eats with them to give them hope. Jesus eats with them because these are some individuals... They can be changed. Repentance can take place. And their lives can be completely different. They matter. And they can have meaning and purpose. And Jesus eats with them. So they can change. So they can experience His mercy. We talked about the leopard. And Jesus saying, you're clean. Jesus was there so that they could experience His mercy if they wanted it. An offer to be clean, forgiven. Basically, sinners need Jesus Christ. Now, you know, sometimes we forget what our purpose is. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he wrote to the Corinthians, and they had misunderstood something he had said, and so he wanted to clarify it for them. So beginning in verse 9, he said, I wrote to you in my epistle not to keep company with sexually immoral people. 
Yet I certainly did not mean with the sexually immoral of this world, or with covetousness, or with extortioners, or adulterers, since then you would need to go out of the world. But now I've written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral, covetous, or an adulterer, or reviler, or a drunkard, or extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. So he said, you know what, I'm not telling you to stay away from people in this world because they need to be able to see you. They need your friendship. They need your help. But I'm telling you, people that are Christian that are doing these things, that's who you've got to be keeping away from. But you need to be able to be out in the world helping those that are in the world. Now, granted, you and me, we're not Jesus. So we need to be our limitations, and we need to be able to know when we're being tempted and not go in that area because we are not friends with sinners so we can sin. We're friends with sinners so that we can help them because we love them and we want them to know Christ. We're friends with sinners because they need to know Jesus. We can't get distracted. It's easy to get distracted. You watch Andy Griffith? I know a lot of you watch Andy. Remember, Barney said, Opie was having some problems, and Barney said, I'll find out what's going on. I'll just play a game of checkers with him. So him and Opie were playing checkers. Barney was trying to fish, you know, trying to figure out what's going on in his life. And Opie was winning, so Barney started concentrating on the checker game. And then Opie's ready to start talking and tell him everything he wants to know. And Barney's like, Opie, be quiet. How am I supposed to win this game? He got distracted. We do that in this world. We get distracted. I've got a purpose of trying to help people to know Christ, and I forget because I get caught up in all the world. We can't get distracted. We've got to stay focused on what we're about. We're Christians. So wherever we work, wherever we play, wherever we go to school, whatever we're doing, we're on mission for God. We can't lose that focus, and we do that. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 9, the same situation, Matthew, he wrote about it. And in Matthew 9, Jesus quotes Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So here's what Jesus responded to the Pharisees. Why do we eat with sinners? I want you to know something. You should be concerned about sinners. I've got you here to help them. And what you're concerned about is just worshiping me. But he said, listen, if you want to worship me, tell others about me. Extend mercy for me. What you're doing is offering sacrifices. It's not what I want. What I really want is you to care about somebody else. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. The knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. So if you really want to worship me, do what I'm doing. And care about those that need cared for, those that are hurting and need help. So, today, we're just reminded with this story. There's somebody like Levi, trapped, tax collector. Maybe you've got something in your past. It's just shameful. Guess what? How would you like a second chance? Matthew got the second chance. Jesus came calling and said, come on, follow me. It could be this morning, the reason you're here is because God said, I'm going to give you a second chance. And you didn't even know it before you come, but you're here. And the Holy Spirit's at work and He's speaking to you now. Here's your chance. 
The invitation's coming. And I'm saying, follow me. I want you to step in faith and trust me. There may be somebody here you realize you don't really know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You don't have a relationship, but you can sense the Spirit of God drawing you today. In this time, and you need to be able to step out and come in repentance, turning from sin and letting Jesus Christ be Lord. You, life can be transformed. Miracles, do they happen? You can, be, you can find out today. You can have the miracle of salvation, trusting Christ and becoming a new creation in Christ. It can happen today, this morning. As Christians, I tell you, sometimes it's easy to fall into being like the Pharisees, whining and complaining and pointing fingers, instead of being out trying to help people that need help. Doing what God has called us to do. And maybe as a Christian, I just need to come and say, Lord, I've, I've lost my focus. And it's time for me to get refocused on doing ministry and making a difference. Let's have prayer together. Lord, thank you so much for letting us come today. I just ask now, Lord, that you would just allow your spirit to have a freedom to move. May each person, each one, just sense your presence. Lord, May every single person sense your speaking. Draw us to you, Lord. Help us to be true disciples. Not somebody that's playing a game, but somebody that's making a difference. Bless this time. Bless people's commitments and faith. In Jesus' name, amen.